Thank you for downloading from the BBC. For details of our complete range of podcasts and our terms of use, go to bbcworldservice.com slash podcasts. And now on World Stories, Ilona Vinogradova of the BBC's Russian service goes in search of the dream of an American scientist. Let me introduce you to one of America's greatest physicists. <laughs> this eccentric bongo player is Richard Feynman, one of the modern world's most important scientists. He was one of the minds behind the development of the atomic bomb. He is credited with introducing the concept of nanotechnology. But beyond that, he was a dreamer, an explorer, an amateur musician, and a stamp collector. Through his stamp collecting, he discovered a remote, mysterious land. I knew that there was this country when I was a kid, that my father explained me was an independent country that had these interesting stamps. I think he had shown me on the map where it was, and it was a purple area in the middle of some big green thing in the middle of Asia somewhere. We had discovered, you see, a Shangri-La, a place in the world that nobody visited in a long time. And whatever happened to Tanu Tuva? What did happen to Tanu Tuva? It's still there, in Russia, right on the Mongolian border. Richard Feynman fell in love with Tuva, the land of thrall singers, unusual triangular stamps, Buddhist monks, nomads and shamans. His daughter Michelle remembers the dinner party challenge which sparked his obsession with Tuva. There was a contest where my father was trying to to prove that he was right about this country and, and the existence of the country and then they got very interested and they ran over to the Encyclopedia Britannica and they which you know was my father's favorite encyclopedia and they and they looked it up and they were they were giddy with you know like like children they were just so excited and they discovered that um, that the the capital was spelled k y z y l and that in particular really really inspired them and they said, we have to go there. We have to see what this place is like that has a capital without any... It doesn't have a single vowel in its name, and we have to go. So that was, that was it. But Richard Feynman never made it to Tuva. He planned a visit towards the end of his life, a dream that because of Cold War bureaucracy was never realized. He got his visa. But just a few days after he died... 20 years on, it's his daughter Michelle who is finally going to travel to her father's Shangri-La. I'm really looking forward to seeing Tuva. I am excited to go, but the, the sort of the reality of, you know, leaving my family, um, I'd say I'm a mom first and then a photographer. And so for me to be gone puts our whole family in a swirl. I have two children. Yeah, um, I have, uh, I'll leave behind my husband and a six-year-old son and an eight-year-old daughter. My name is Ilona Vinagradova. I'm a journalist. I joined the BBC Russian service three years ago. Why Tuva? 
Tuva is a place where I spent my childhood. Tuva is a, such a place on the map for me, which will be always dear and sacred to me. I've heard about Richard Feynman when I was 15, and for the first time I've heard his name in Tuva, of course. He is such a myth and such a legend, and I wanted to make his dream come true, even in such a strange way, after his death, inviting his daughter to make this journey for him. Do you have any, any kind of your own image of Tuva, what it is like as a country? I imagine it will be green, maybe with miles and miles of open countryside. I have a, an image in my head of a traditional person dressed in their native costume, and I'm sure they don't wear that every day, but that's my picture in my head. Actually, tomorrow we'll be there. Yes. Do you believe in it? Uh, it, it, seems, it seems very, very hard to believe. Tomorrow morning we'll be in Tuva. So this is Tuva, and they call this road uh, the road to the heaven. <laughs> the road to the heaven. Behind behind this um, behind these mountains, when you see um, there is a um, here is a small village, and yeah. behind this village is a small town, Turan, yeah. and um, behind Turan is Kazil. Okay. That funny place oh. called Kazil. There, you see? Way yes, 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 okay. Michelle, where are we going now? We are going to meet Ondar Daruma, his wife and his daughter. And um, this was the person that my father corresponded with the, the longest. The family of Ondar Daruma receives us in a huge yurt. This is a traditional home of the nomadic Tuvans. It's a large round tent with a central pole. Normally you would find a handmade stove in the middle and old-fashioned iron beds round the edge. On the left-hand side are the beds for the men and on the right the beds for the women. This yurt has just been set up for the party. They don't live here. Andar Derma's wife, his older daughter and the rest of the family stand outside. It's a gathering of 30 people. Some of them wear the traditional Tuvan gowns and hold a bowl of milk in their hands, a symbol of purity, and blue ribbons a sign of eternity, to welcome the daughter of Richard Feynman. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is it okay? It was clear that this day would be written into their family's history album as the day when the child of the man they heard about for years came to visit their family yurt. Chichek, the daughter of Andar Darema, brings out a crumpled piece of paper. It turns out that it is one of the letters Richard Feynman wrote to the family many, many years ago. Hello, Andar Darma. Happy New Year. How did you survive your winter? 
Here in California is quite chilly. We would like to visit Tuva in summer. We will hope that we will meet you there. There's a picture of my father. It's really, it's, it's so amazing what effort they have gone to. It's, I, I have no words. This is a historic event for our big family. My father spoke a lot about your father. From his words, we all know what an extraordinary person Richard Feynman was. There is a Tuvan proverb. What the parents do not achieve, their children will accomplish. We are very glad that you fulfilled your father's dream. It's it's not so easy. I saw you crying and actually you are crying now. He was unlucky that that um, that it was so difficult when he when he was trying to come here. I'm I'm the lucky one. What did I do? I you know I I got on a few airplanes and I came here. Um, I'm sad that that he's not here. Today we met with Ondar Darima's daughter. Ondar Darima died about 10 years ago. He's the person that my father corresponded with the most. His daughter was really quite amazing. They were so gracious and they brought all the letters and they're really beautifully kept and she apologized for the wear because she thought that they looked bad but she said that her father carried them around a lot and uh, and read them over and over which I think is amazing. It's clear that my father and their correspondence with her father meant a lot to their whole family. So it was nice to meet her. Tradition is very important in Tuva. It's important to know about the past and about your ancestors. It is normal in a Tuvan family to be able to talk about your family going back at least seven generations. And a child is seen as a continuation of a parent in all senses. That's why Michelle is seen as such an ambassador for her father. And that's why they shower her with such overwhelming hospitality. And as part of this hospitality, Kangarol, a famous throw singer and a friend of Michelle's family, insisted she should witness a goat slaughter a traditional way to show respect and give honor to a dear guest. This is a sound which goes makes just uh, before slaughter. The guy who is uh, slaughtering the goat, he is a throat singer himself, and he says the skin of the goat is very good. Uh, we can use it for a musical instrument. 
So not a not a bit of the goat will be wasted. They're all waiting. What is she doing? You have to cut it yourself. I have to cut with that knife. Okay. If you feel the bone, you go to the left. Thank you. Did you cut it? I don't think so. It's hot, I think. Yeah, yeah. People here are so generous. Everywhere we go, they lay on a spectacular feast. But this is one of the poorest regions in Russia, with life expectancy at just 56 years. You hardly find any beggars in Tua, though, because of their attitude to family. Even the remote relative will be helped. And what they do have, they share with each other and guests. Расскажи про эту песню. О чем это? Очень коротко. Ты думаешь, я слушал слова? А почему не слушал? От звука торчал. I just asked him to translate a little bit, and he said, I didn't listen to the words. Translate what it was about. I said, I don't listen to the words. I just listen to the music. Our journey continues. Shell, are you fine with this kind of road? <laughs> We're just going up and down and left and right. <laughs> I'm a little worried that the car will tip over. The road is long, and every now and then we stop on the top of the hill to drink a drop of araka, a local alcoholic milk drink. Before we try it, our two and friend Igor sprinkles araka from his glass in four directions: east, west, north, and south. <laughs> This is a tribute to the spirits. Being shamanists, Tuvans believe that anywhere you go, you have to share with the spirits first. Otherwise, your journey won't be successful. It's our fourth day in Tuva. Michelle tries her best to adjust to the local way of life. She is overwhelmed with all the attention people pay to her, or rather to her father via her. And she is unsettled. We find a rare moment alone to talk. She is thinking back to when we met Andar Derma's family. I thought she'd really enjoy the reception, and she did, but it also left her confused. I don't know them. I know that they felt close to my father and that's why they did it, but it was just, I don't know, it was just kind of over the top, I thought. Well-meaning, totally well-meaning, I get it. They they wanted to honor my father, so they honored me, but it's, um, yeah, it's just not my thing. So you regret that actually you came to Tuba? I regretted saying yes to the radio thing the minute I said it. It feels like I made a deal with the devil, and I'm sorry to say that to you. I admire you wanting to make this documentary and about Tuva and, and about my father. I think that's fantastic, and I'd like to help, but I don't know how to do it in any other way and be, be comfortable with myself. You know, there's no getting around it. This is an emotional trip because I'm making it and my father isn't. And I feel also, you know, I just, um, I meant good as well, you know, that I wanted to tell a story about Tuva, which I love this land. Mm -hmm. 
And I wanted to tell a story about your father, who was so much infectious and who infected many other people with this idea and, uh, in a way, who maybe taught people to dream. And uh, maybe it's too much for you. Oh, these are not thoughts I have at home. <laughs> it's just this trip, because it's a hard place to to be, you know, to to see the country through my eyes and not feel any pressure about about how much he wanted to come. You know, every time I every time I'm being sort of fussy, I think, wow, he would have loved this. I don't know what time is it now in your place, wherever you listen to the BBC. Here in Tuva is 6 o'clock in the morning. I just woke up. Michelle is still sleeping with 10 other friends of us in the yurt where we're staying now, observing her, looking at her. I keep on asking myself one question. Was it the right decision to take her here? Or I just put too much pressure on her? We are on the road again, heading towards a real nomad's yurt to visit a family that lives high in the mountains near the beautiful Lake Sudhol, or the Milky Lake. He and his wife are pretty typical of how rural people live here. They take care of their cattle, more than 100 cows and sheep, herding them on horseback throughout the year. Yes, on top of a hill in a yurt with, we have here 15 people maybe. <laughs> They're passing things around to drink and people are eating and laughing and the, um, the woman has been admiring all the things that, that we brought for her, the offerings, the gifts, which, which was very nice. <laughs> It feels like they all know each other, but I don't think they do. I mean, this is, again, what amazes me about uh, about Tuvans and their kind of open, open hearts. And, uh, it's fantastic. Uh, they've asked me for a few words about Tuva. Tuva is a strong and rugged country from the the forests which are so thick i want to i want to stroke them to the glittering lakes the pure desert and the song of the steppe grass tuva is a beautiful country you know in america we strive for equality and i don't think we do it all the time. But here, I see it. I see that we come to stay with, with, um, with a shepherd, and, and no, one, no one looks down at him. 
You bring gifts. You honor him. It's... It's not something that I've seen. I'm impressed that even when you meet someone that you don't know, in a few minutes, he's not a stranger, he's a friend. So eight days ago, we were here in front of this sign. We were just entering Tuva, and now eight days later, we're here again. Um, I don't know. For me, it was very fast, very quick. Um, how was it for you? The first few days were difficult, but. When we spent a few days with with the same people, it felt like they understood me. The first few days were hard. And, um, and after that, it, we started spending more time out in the country, which is beautiful. And part of me doesn't really want to leave. <laughs> part of me feels like I have more to do here, more to see. And so I leave with a feeling of only having kind of seen just a very small part of it. I remember our first day in Tuva, you were very sad. How do you feel now when you leave Tuva? Well, I'm proud to have been part of his adventure, really. It does make me a little sad that that he couldn't be here for something that he wanted for so long. I do think that for him more than half the fun was trying to get here. I don't have to be sad. I can almost hear him saying, oh, Michelle, you don't have to be sad. And I know this. I know this. But he would have loved this so much. I don't know why I have to cry every time. It's a game. It's not serious. It's just the fun of having an adventure to try to go to a land that we'd never heard of, we find out what it's like. I don't go for this philosophical interpretation of our deeper understanding of what we're doing. If we tried to understand what we're doing, we'd go nutty. <laughs> program was produced and presented by Ilona Vinogradova. There are dozens of different podcasts now available from the BBC, including news, documentaries, science, business, arts and sport. For details of them all, go to bbcworldservice.com slash podcasts.